Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. It's so good to be back today. Today is Sunday. Not that it really matters because I say seven days a week. Praise the Lord. It says that we're to speak about him from day to day. So Sunday, every day is the day to speak about the Lord. So I want to welcome everybody back and that are followers of this, of him in this place at this channel, which I refer to as the little green pasture. I have such joy doing this. You guys have no idea. Like I live for Christ. Like I, I just, I feel like I'm like an overflowing fountain right now because I just feel so alive today. You know, it talks about the day star arising in our hearts. Well, that day star is the sun. And I feel so alive today because that day star has arisen in my heart this morning. And I feel like I'm in the brightness of his glory. Amen. So it's very early. It's only eight o'clock this morning. I would have gone and done this earlier. Like, I don't think though, four o'clock in the morning would have been a good time. <laughs> I was still in the Lord. But anyway, welcome back. And I want to welcome back um, or welcome everybody that's new to this channel. You are absolutely welcome. Take a seat, sit back. And let the living waters flow. I'm only a vessel and I am prayed up and I'm ready to go. So I pray that you will be blessed today by anything that will come out of this mouth. And before I get started, I'm going to pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I worship you. I do. I worship you. I praise that holy and worthy name by which you're called. I thank you, Lord, that your throne is established in the heavens, that your dominion is an everlasting dominion, that you are Lord of all, that you are the everlasting King, that there is no place in this universe that you do not have dominion. I thank you for this very hour that me, a very, very common vessel, Lord, that can look to you for living waters. And I pray that everybody will come under the shadow of your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, you would even stir them up, even to tears. And that, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see and their ears to hear you. Lord, let your blessing be upon me as I preach and teach your word. I'm leaning 100% on you. And I ask that you bless your own word for your own namesake. Sanctify me and the hearers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I... Had a few days since my last video. I'm always thinking about the Lord. But my mind and my heart, they're like always in action, like the wheels, the cogs of a wheel. I feel like, you know, how NASA has the antenna going around in circles 24 hours a day. That's me and the Lord. I'm always <laughs> looking to pick up a signal. But I want to talk to you today about your life. And about where you're going, about where you're at right now, about who you serve. You know, pretty much everybody I'm talking to you has a pretty good handle on the word. Maybe some of you that are watching don't. But I'm, I'm talking to everybody across the board, whether you're a day old in Christ, whether you're an old salty war vet in the spirit. Let this word come upon you like the white of snow on Mount Salmon. I believe Jesus wants me to talk to you today about him preparing. You know, all of us have heard that word over and over again to the point we really don't I don't know. I think I think we can get calloused, like I've said before, of hearing something over and over again. But 
God is always preparing something, but he has prepared a place for us. But there is an earthly life and existence that we have. And what I have observed in my Christian life is that most Christians are all over the place. I've been there. I've been all over the place. I'm trying to dig into the works of this person, that person. The works were great. There was something I was wanting more and more of God. I was applying myself to further studies. And and this is, yeah, in a sense, springboarding from my last video where I was talking about intellectual assent unto God, how it means nothing. Really, I mean, because if you're, if you're in terrible trouble and you're devastated and destroyed, how is any of that intellectual knowledge going to speak to you? And so today, through the name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus Christ, I hold out his word of life to you. I make my appeal to you in his name that the Lord Jesus Christ will touch you in this message. I just feel it so strong that many of you need to hear this message. I think that, let me just set that aside because I feel also to add this, there's been a lot of destruction and damage done to a lot of Christians. Seriously bad damage. And that has been by people wanting to fast track their walk in Christ, their knowledge in Christ, their the understanding, the wisdom. They want it all now. That's That's such a today thing happening. They want everything now. But there is a problem with that. Uh, everybody has to walk. We have to go at our own pace. And you have to learn exactly what Jesus wants you to learn, not what the person next to you is learning, not somebody else's testimony. But you have to have your own testimony. But Because also God has prepared a place for you. Yes, Jesus says in John 14, 6, Behold, I've gone to prepare. I've gone to, I, I go to prepare a place for you that when I come again and receive you into myself, you'll be there with me also. But I want to say something. Um, and the Lord helped me. The Lord helped me weave this together as a beautiful coat, like Joseph's coat of many colors to put upon you. I want to read today from chapter 23 of Exodus, starting at 20. He said, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into a place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his, obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Let me just stop right there. You know, that angel is a reference, I think, an illustration Maybe I shouldn't use the word illustration, um, but that to me would be the Holy Spirit. Now, we know the Holy Spirit is not an angel. Angels are created beings. But you see, all of Israel, from the time they came out of Egypt, he brought them out to bring them in. See, God doesn't bring you out of Satan's kingdom. He calls you out to bring you in to the kingdom of the Father, by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so many people, especially these days, they get saved, they have some sort of a confession, but they're all over the place. It was only an emotional confession. They've never surrendered their life to Christ. But those who have truly surrendered their life to Christ, God has brought, bought you 
He owns you. He purchased your life so that he, that, you know, so you're, you're reconciled unto the father. The life, the lives of Israel, their whole journey through coming out of the iron smelting furnace of Egypt and to go through the Red Sea and to go through the desert. All of that is an illustration of today. And it's not just an illustration. It truly is a history that happened, but it's exactly the way we are going as Christians. Notice how it says, behold, I send an angel before thee. He's letting them know in advance Look, before you cross over, I'm sending my angel before thee. Okay? See, the Holy Spirit is in us not to do a bunch of stuff we're always doling out to him. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. And I think that we sometimes have maybe an obscure view of the Holy Spirit. Although, and I say this, well, how do I say that? That we don't always know who we think we know. There's so much we don't know about him, but that he's given unto us to teach us and to lead us and guide us into all truth. But what I want you to hear today is that you see the Holy Spirit is in you to lead you, to guide you. He says to keep you in your way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. He says, beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. He says, for my name is in him. You know, the Holy Spirit is not authorized to overlook rebellion in his people. He's not authorized to overlook transgressions and all these things. He's in us. He's a tough coach. He he is a tough teacher, but he does it because he loves us. And he knows what's in us. And he knows what's in our hearts. He knows what we're capable of doing. He knows what we are housed in. So the Holy Spirit that is in us is meant to, we we have to really define his work in us because there's purpose that he has in you to get you to a place he has prepared for you, even in this world. Because some of you are going to live to your, I mean, unless something else happens and you die young, even if you did that. And the time of wandering has to end. The time of God's people that are called by his name has to end. The Israelites did not stay in the wilderness forever. They came out of the wilderness and God brought them into a place prepared for them. Notice all they had to do was enter in. The place was already prepared. We saw the condition of it. It was already, he says, I'll give you houses and lands and all these things. But there's always opposition from the enemy because he does say, he talks about that our, he says, I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary to, to thine adversaries. I think that, We have to understand the difference between what an enemy is and an adversary is, though they sound like they are alike. So on our way to the prepared place for us, we have to realize that there's going to be constant attacks from the enemy. See, an enemy is somebody who's like, let's say across town, there's somebody that you know doesn't like you. He's an enemy. She's an enemy to you. Maybe somebody is on Facebook. If you're on social media, there's somebody out there that they just don't like you. Okay. They're your enemy, but that's it. They stay on their side of the world, but you know, you have an enemy over there. An adversary is someone who is actively opposing you. That's why Satan is called the adversary. Remember he says in first Peter five, eight, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about, seeking whom it is, prowleth about, seeking whom it is that he may devour. So he is an active opposer. You know, this wandering has been a menace to the body of Christ. Because in these last days, this world has mingled. This world has drank the cup of Baal Peor. It has mingled with other 
denominations, other, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use? Ecumenical. It's an ecumenical body. Everybody accepts everybody else. Well, let's get together. Let's, let's just agree to love one another, one another. But you see, God wants you to love him. He wants you not to bow down to their gods. And what I believe, this is just an observation, is that I have been watching for over four decades, watching this world all bowing down to their gods. And they bow down well. And God's people have joined them. They have not put the difference between the holy and the profane in, the, in their sanctuary, the temple, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. That dwells in them. That's the same thing that was happening in Smyrna in the first century. Smyrna, all it was full of idols everywhere that you can see. Statues, people, people God's people were combining idolatry with Christianity, with their faith. And so this is what has happened. And so that's why there's all these loose strings everywhere. But you see, God has prepared a place for you. And he's prepared it for people that are prepared. He's prepared a place for us. He's even prepared a place for Satan. Notice the difference. Jesus says, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. But in Matthew 25, he says to the devil that he has a place prepared. It's already prepared for him. He's done. You know, today I was thinking about people like, let me begin with. I was thinking about Paul the Apostle. All of us know about Paul the Apostle, right? He was a murderer. He was treacherous. He had seething hatred for God's people, for the faith. We know all about him. We've read everything we can about that wicked Saul of Tarsus. But you know what I thought today? And I felt broken. I started to feel my heart crack open. As I started to think about Saul of Tarsus. You know that... Jesus met him on that day in Acts chapter 9. And he said he saw Christ above the brightness of the sun at midday. And he heard the voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for thee to kick against the, the pricks or the goads. But I was thinking about him. In Acts chapter 5, it talked about Saul of Tarsus sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, being brought up by him. You know, I thought, yeah, Saul of Tarsus is a good study that we can look at him and say, well, if you can save a Saul of Tarsus, God, you can save anybody. But let me take you a little bit deeper. I had this heart sense about him. That God saw something in Saul from a child. I could be wrong, but let me just share my thoughts. You see, Saul wasn't always a wicked man. He had to grow into that wickedness. Because he was a little child at one time. And you know what I think? I think that somewhere in his earliest days, when he was cognizant of God, that there was a love, a real child's love for God. And he wanted to know this God. And as he was in the schools trying to know God, and the more he studied, the less he knew him. So the more he studied so we can know him more, the less he knew him. He became proficient in the law. He became proficient in every study that could be understood by any Pharisee. But there was something deeper still in Saul of Tarsus, I believe. That deeper buried underneath all that hardness of heart and anger and trying to prove something and trying to be perfect in the law and trying to hold down 
all the tenets and the statutes and the decrees and the and the commands and all the sub laws that there that was that that tender heart got buried that child who one day wanted to know who this god was and i believe that on that day that christ appeared over him on his way to damascus was that moment that god revealed himself to saul see it's more it's deeper and we have to stop and think about that that it's deeper than what we're just seeing on the surface oh saul he was this wicked man yeah he was a wicked man but he was a man maybe as a baby after god's own heart and maybe he got frustrated because he tried to find him here and he tried to find him there and he got harder and he got harder and he got harder until God smashed it, his vessel down and shattered everything he knew because Jesus Christ appeared to him in glory and he revealed himself to that man on a murder mission. A man that knew every jot and tittle backwards, forwards, inside and out, on written on the backside and on the front side. See, God had prepared something for Paul to do. He became Paul. And he was found praying in the home of An- uh, Judas on Straight Street by Ananias. He was praying. You see, he was a praying man. You know what? That even further gives me more insight about him. Was he actually praying? You know, think about it. It says he was praying. Did it mean that he prayed before? Yeah, I believe he prayed before. But what if? Just what if? And it's just, I'm just offering it to you. What if when Saul was all alone and away from his breathing threatenings and his broadened, uh, his phylacteries and, and his long robes and in his greetings in the marketplace, what if he was alone? And what if for years he had been seeking God in some secret little part of himself when he was all alone where no one can hear him, where he was praying to God before that? I keep trying to know you, but I'm, I can't break through. I can't get through to him. Job said it. Why wouldn't Saul say it? But you see, his personality was so aggressive that he would even try to prove by murdering people had he loved God, that he loved God. But he did. You know, I do believe there was that part of him in there. And God answered those prayers. I when he said, who are you, Lord? He could have just said, who are you? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And look at what happened. His life was changed forever. And he went on a journey. He went on all of his journeys and prepared journeys for him to go to. See, it's not just Jesus preparing a place for you to go to. That's that. But you see, God has prepared a place for you, a path for you, prepared things for you that you just need to enter into. And so you say, well, Joni, what do you, I'm just trying, I'm, uh, you're saying I need to enter into it. I've been in, in my word every day. I'm praying every day. Hold your thought. Hold your thought. He says, behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I've prepared. You see, we think we know where we're going, but we don't know. They didn't know where they were going. What makes us think we know where we're going? Yes, we are born again. Yes, Christ has gone to prepare a place for us that when he cometh again, he will receive us unto himself and there will we be with him also. But you see, God has prepared paths for your feet just for you. And he doesn't want you on the someone else's path. Though collectively, we're all on the narrow path. But you see, Saul of Tarsus, I believe, and this is just me. I'm not imposing it on you. You can reject it. I'm not even trying to get you to believe it. I'm just sharing it. I'm just opening my heart because I feel like there was something more about Saul. I can study about Saul until the kingdom comes. But, you know, the Holy Spirit, he can give you something in a flash like that. 
And in a flash, I felt like the Holy Spirit, I'm saying felt like, I'm not saying he did. But I felt like because it pricked my heart. And I said, oh, God. There was this man. He was somewhere in his life. I believe maybe he was because he was a child and he heard about you in his heart. Haven't you? I know there's people out there. There's some of you who have told me your stories or you were like, look, I was three years old and I knew I loved God. And you had no knowledge of his word. You couldn't. You're a baby. I knew I loved God as a baby when I was three years old, when I was five years old. And my mother began to tell me about God. I was enthralled by him. I had no words. And I remember I was always looking up at the sky. I was looking at little things and something in my little spirit knew he had something to do with it, whoever he was. And I think that is what happened with Saul. That God finally answered his prayers. And the adversary that he was became the greatest adversary to Satan. Do you understand what I'm saying about your path, your place? But we have to beware of the Holy Spirit and obey his voice. And obeying his voice, it says that we purify our hearts. Our hearts are purified by obeying the truth. But you have to follow his voice. You got to be in the word. And let me say something. There's a lot of people that spend forever in their Bibles, but they're never closer to Christ. The Bible, in a sense, becomes their God. It becomes a thing they resort to, but they don't do anything out of it. They have never met Christ. I believe that they're like, again, let me, and I know I'm repeating myself, but somehow or another, I just want to. I believe I could be wrong. But I conjecture it. That the older Saul got the more frustrated he got. The more frustrated he got and the angrier he got and he wanted to kill it off. If I can't have it, uh, maybe not even thinking that, but seeing what they're doing, the Christians, their faith, it angered him. But he was a praying man. And I conjecture that there might've been times, maybe a lot of times, in a solitary place where he cried out to God and said, I want to know you. Moses did. And and, and is in Exodus 30, he said that, that I may know you. Job called out for it. You know, I think about Nicodemus. I was thinking about Nicodemus this morning. I thought, look at him, the ruler, master. He was the master of Israel. And... Let me get over there. Well, I don't have to. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk. He was a master of Israel, a ruler. He was no doubt the ruler of the Sanhedrin, the most prominent, knowledgeable, powerful ruler of the Jews, uh, over the Jews religiously. And that man came to Jesus by night. You know why? Because there was something in him that saw something more. That saw something more. And even though he didn't understand, he said, what do I climb back into my mother's womb and be born again? That's like a little child. And he said, well, how is it that you being a master of Israel don't understand this? But I'll tell you, it prepared a place for him. It prepared a place for him in front of Herod with Joseph of Arimathea to ask for the body of Christ, to embalm it with spices. And I think about, you know, even Job. Job was a religious man. There was no more one more righteous than him. And he got up every morning and he did his devotions because his kids were sinning away. But at the end, it didn't matter. All the works of knowledge, all the righteousness, all the certain commitments didn't 
add up to anything. But his being stripped down and being losing everything and then being pummeled by these so-called religious friends brought him to finally hear God say, approach unto me. And at the end of that, of hearing God's ex, where were you? Where were you? Where were you when I planted the heavens, when I created the sea, when I formed the highest dust of the earth? Where were you? Where were you? And at the end, he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now doth mine eye see thee, and I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. You see, and until we see him and we see ourselves for what we really are, that we will throw, they will never know Christ. There's something that we have to wade past, like Nicodemus like Saul, like Job. You know, do you ever feel this? Let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel a stirring in your heart where you start to feel like, what is wrong with me? Like you feel a restlessness and you're saying, I don't know what's going on with me. And you you don't even know what to say to God. You're like, God, what's going on with me? Maybe those are the only words you have. You know, I pray that God stirs you up. I pray he stirs you up to tears. I pray he stirs you up with something that's not human. Where you just say, I don't care what it costs me. I pray that you prepare me. That you go before me. That you go before me by your power and that by your spirit into the place prepared for me. Because a time of wandering has to stop. And the time of going from to and fro to every different watering trough to see whose water tastes better than somebody else has to come to an end. Jesus is calling you. If you're hungry, he will call you. If you're thirsty, he'll call thirsty people to him. If you're exhausted and weary and heavy laden, he'll call you to him. To give you rest. And then finally, at the end of days, he'll call you home. But stop wandering. Stop going from port, spiritual port to spiritual port. You belong already to the heavenly country. You see, if you keep trying to drink out of this well and of that well, and then that well's dried up, and then you go like Elijah, you go hang out by the brook. Carith, and you drink its water and you let the, the ravens bring you food and bread in the morning and the evening. And after a while, that brook starts to clear up and no longer is the bread coming in the morning and the meat at night. Then you're forced into a famine land. But I'll tell you this, the Lord is really seeking and searching for those that are really his. There is the candle of the Lord. He is searching you out. He wants a full surrender from all of us, including myself. He has prepared a place for you. And if you do exactly what he says and you obey him and you do exactly what he tells you and don't bow down with to the gods of this world, Look at all the people around us. I know many Christians who bow down. There's somebody I know uh, who he, this person became a professor. He was a beautiful, I mean, I'm not saying he's not saved. I'm not saying anything about him. I'm not here to say what he is or not. I'm talking about an observation of a life I saw. And that his, there was such a sweetness in him in the beginning as a honeycomb, there was a sweetness. And then he got, it got involved in Bible, you know, um, a Bible school. And then he went to college and he went to seminary. He became a professor. He writes books for universities now. And he's somebody I don't even know anymore. He is cocky. He is arrogant. And I know that sounds terrible. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk bad about him. I actually really like him. And, uh, and I do pray that he will go back to that sweetness. Understand. I love him. This is not to go, look at this guy. That's not who I am. 
strike that from yourself. If you think that about me, then you've no, you don't know me then. And I'm letting myself be known to you. I mean, you got to think about, look at this, what I do. I mean, I do this because I love him and I love you. And there is a cost to this, but it's worth it. You are worth it. Christ is worth it. And there's nothing else I'd rather do than serve Christ. You know, notice what he says, beware of him and obey his voice and provoke him not. He will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. And I think what I was saying is that we don't know the Holy Spirit like we do, that we decide to let a little bit of unholiness creep into our lives. And we call that evil good because we go, we become a judge of evil thoughts in a sense, because we look at something that we're in this postmodern world. Well, I mean... It really doesn't mean anything or, um, yeah, well, God knows I hate that. And I mean, there's some things you can't avoid. I'm talking about things that you allow yourself to think, say, and do. And remember what happens in your mind. Satan wants to get in your mind because he knows once he gets in your mind, then he's going to control an action because actions come out of thoughts. So keep your mind clean. Keep in the word of God and seek Christ. Say, it's not enough. I want to know you. I want to hear you for myself. Lord, I know you don't need to appear before me in the brightness of the mid over the noonday sun like Saul. You've already appeared to my joy and salvation. But I'm not satisfied wandering from Dan to Beersheba. I'm tired of going from watering hole to watering hole. I want the everlasting well of life. I want the pristine waters of Jesus Christ. Don't settle anymore for it because you know what happens? What happens is people become polluted with polluted water. Oh, it's water. And they may feel full for a season. I want to share a dream I had with you. I wasn't going to share it, but I'm going to share it right now. And then I'm going to make a point about it. And it, and it was powerful and it came with a warning. I had it on February the 11th. In my dream, I saw myself standing in some area where I live. And I live where it's hilly and so forth. And I'm standing in some back part of where it gets very hilly and there's just a few houses. And there was this man in my dream with me. And... I, I was thinking, why am I here? I mean, I knew exactly where I was. And I looked up at this big hill. It was all bushes and so forth. And all of a sudden, I saw these, what looked like giants, come and stand on the edge. And they were looking down at me. And I was looking up at them like, what in the world? And I wasn't afraid. And they were beautiful to look at. These giants were beautiful to look at. They had long flowing hair. They were like Greek mytho mythological gods. They were muscular. They were like the men of renown. And I'm looking up at them and they're looking down at me, but like I was of no consequence, like they were looking through me. And they had different kind of eyes that were just not eyes like ours. They were just different eyes that were seeing like I was nothing. Anyway, I hear this voice to the left of me, like in this valley. And it's this horrible sounding voice. It sounded like a voice from hell. It was horrific sounding. Like it was so horrible. I was like, oh my gosh. And I could hear it. And its voice was echoing over all the land. And I heard, and like, let me just pause here because it's important for you to know this. The Holy Spirit did not want me to remember what he said, and I'm glad. But I'm going to give you what I believe I was hearing him say, but not because I remember every word he said, and I'm glad I don't remember it, but it was something like this. It was announcing, it was saying, we are here. And... We are going, and it talked about the land and we are going to devastate the land. And it was talking about how that thing was talking and it was announcing how it was going to absolutely bring 
such ravaging, horrific destruction to the land. And it was talking about how they were going to do it. And it was so horrific that I'm glad God did not let me remember because I remember hearing it. I was gripped, not like I wasn't afraid and I wasn't full of terror. Like he wasn't scaring me. That announcement wasn't scaring me, but the words were so evil, so wicked. And I looked for some reason I can look because I was like, where's that voice coming from? And I can see it. And I saw this spirit and he was like all dressed in white and he had this beard and this white beard. And I was like, I I just wanted it to shut up. Like I didn't want to hear it anymore. Next thing you know, the scene changed and I was hovering over another area where I live. And I, and I'm thinking, I know where I'm at. And I'm all of a sudden that voice moves to where I was. And I knew that that voice really didn't need to move because it was so powerful that that it's voice. I knew it didn't just have to do with my city that I live in, that I knew it was going out over the land of our nation and it was echoing with an otherworldly echo. And um, all of a sudden that voice was beneath me um, and it was now proclaiming and announcing what it was going to do to the people. And it was saying it was going blow by blow, how it was going to destroy everybody and how they were going to do it. And I, like I said, I'm glad I don't remember. I don't want to remember, but it was so brutal, so horrific that I was in shock to hear what they said they were going to do. Then the scene changes. Next thing you know, I see myself going into my house and shutting the door. I look on my kitchen table and I see these papers stapled together and I'm like, what's that? So I walk over, I pick up the paper, I look at it and I'm thinking this wasn't like, cause I was like, I know I didn't do this. Like, why is this here? And so I began to read it. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, these are the exact same words I was hearing that thing saying like word for word. I was like, this is it. This is exactly what that thing was saying. It was going to do to the people and to the land. And as I was reading it, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit say, don't look at it, put it down, get rid of it, destroy it. And as soon as I heard the Holy Spirit say that to me, or the Lord say that to me, but I know I was hearing that voice of God, I heard that evil voice outside of my front door saying, we want you to see what we're going to do. We want you to read it. And a terror came upon me to just tear it up. And as I was throwing it away, I heard further instructions, or if you want to call them instructions, but I further heard that voice say to me, be very careful about the deception that's coming in this end. It's here now. He didn't say coming. He said the deception that is here now. Be careful what you are reading and the source of that material. Because many people think they're hearing from the Holy Spirit, but they're hearing from these fallen ones. And the words that they are speaking, if they listen to them and they believe it in their mind, he said, that thing that's outside of your door will come into this house. Now, he wasn't saying that because, listen, I'm telling you right now, I don't read any more prophecies. I'm done with it. I stick to the pure word of God. I stick to prayer like never before. I'm seriously more locked down and solid in the word of the Lord. And I don't say that to brag. I'm just saying that is a choice I have made that I know that is my prepared place that I'm in today and should be yours. But what he said to me is be careful about the prophecies you are reading the source that people are getting maybe saying they're getting it from from him but they're picking it up from a class of spirits that are so highly deceptive and powerful that if you think any of us think that we have seen all the so-called secrets of Satan and we have seen all of his deception and different um, deceptions of religion, we better think again. He was letting me know that the deception that is here now and by what spirits that are coming from it, that they have a power that if we give any credence to them, that they're waiting for us. They're waiting for us to accept it as God's truth. 
the Lord was, I mean, take it or leave it. You can do whatever you want with what I'm saying. You can say, I don't believe it. That's fine by me, but I'm going to obey the Lord. And I, that's why I've locked it down. Like I am a fortress now. The mighty God is our fortress. You know, if the Holy Spirit is in you, then he's our fortress. He's a fortress in you. But he was telling me, beware, not because I'm looking at anything. I want nothing to do. I'm done with looking at all these different prophecies, prophecies here. And some of them are real. Don't get me wrong. Every now and then somebody might send me something and I'll look at it, but I'll pray about it and I'll let the Holy Spirit decide. And some things are legit and most of them are not. So you see right now, this is game on for these spirits and the deception that is here and these spirits, they were announcing what they're going to do. I'm glad I didn't hear it. And I don't care to hear it. I care to, to lock myself in with Christ. And I pray you lock yourself in with Jesus Christ and don't settle for dead sermons. Don't settle for a five minute meditation. Don't think because You've read your word for an hour that that's enough. It wasn't enough for Saul. It wasn't enough for Job. It wasn't enough for uh, any of those men of old. It was never enough, even so, for a lot of people that we have seen come up through the last couple, you know, thousands of years, 2,000 years plus. Something has to happen where you say, because even Jacob, think about Jacob, when he saw the ladder ascending up into heaven and Jesus Christ, he didn't know it was Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. But I'll tell you something, it changed his life forever. And and it, Saul's life was changed forever and he became another man. He surrendered everything. He said, I considered everything lost that I may win Christ See, that has to be more than just you saying it. You see, right now, uh, more than any other time in your life, do not settle for lukewarm sermons. Because right now, and I know there's a couple of good churches out there here and there, but the majority of them are not preparing their people because they're not prepared themselves. You have to take yourself to the source. You have to meet with God alone. You have to push out everything. You know, I was telling a friend of mine today on the phone, I said, look, I feel like I'm a, one of those women in roller derby where one elbow goes this way and another elbow goes this way because I'm going to get myself to him myself because it does come down to it. And when you lock yourself in with Jesus Christ and yes, you stay in your word, you're obeying, you're, you're, you're bewaring of, oh, you know, of the Holy spirit. You're not provoking him. Um, you know, I'll tell you, when you lock yourself in with him, notice he says, I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For my angels shall go before you and I'll bring you into the land of your enemies and I'll give you what's theirs. See, the enemies are out there for a reason, human and unseen. Because on one hand, we're teaching, we're, be, we're, we're learning to turn our enemies over to God not getting involved with revenge, turning, because God already knows who your enemies and your adversaries are. Remember, he says, don't bow down to their gods. That's another aspect. Be careful of what gods you're bowing down to. I'll tell you something. I have the most religious people all living around me. They're all bowing down to their God, the gods of alcohol, the gods of smoking, drinking, pornography, lying, cheating, gossiping, TV. And they live this carnal, mortal life. The Lord be with them. The Lord save them. But you see, they bow down to their gods. They bow. They're great bowers. They bow to their gods of this land. Be careful you're not bowing down to the gods of this land or whatever nation you're living in. Whatever you see people doing that are unsaved, don't bow with them. They're the adversaries of God. And even inner adversaries, if there's something in you that's adversarial to God, a bad habit, don't overlook it. And if it's something you can't overcome, take it to him. Take it to Jesus. Tell him, I don't have any control over it. God met Saul of Tarsus one day. I'm hard pressed to believe in my own heart that there was something deep inside of him 
that just wanted to know God. And look what God did. And he used that adversary to become an adversary to Satan. And because of him, we were given this beautiful gospel that turned to the Gentiles. Because of him, an adversary of God. I'm going to stop there. Remember, God has prepared a place for you to go. He's prepared a path. You don't have to do anything. It's already prepared. He goes before you. Don't bow down to the gods of this age. Don't bow down. Don't bow. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ today and surrender it well. Lay down everything and say whatever it costs, but don't say it unless your heart really means it. Don't sell yourself to any of the gods of this land. See, God has prepared a place for you, but it's only a prepared place for prepared people. And you don't want to miss it. If there's sin in your life, deal with it and deal with it. Like Spurgeon said, he said, sin is like having somebody's evil beast. Some filthy, evil beast come into your field. He said, I say, give that thing a good whipping and send it out a good beating. So look at your sins like that. Because if you're doing something that you know is adversarial against God, that you know he doesn't like. I'm not here to beat you down on your head. I'm here to lift you up and to tell you that God is ready to forgive you the instant you're sorry for it. And if it's too much for you to handle, he says, God says, God, David said, he has made me stronger than all my enemies round about me. He can make you stronger than all your enemies within you. If it's a bad temper, if it's you're easily offended, um, you're prone to lying, whatever. It's not going to offend God. I think it offends God more that you don't come to him. And by the way, when you are forgiven, don't hang on what you used to be. Oh, I was such this. Oh, I did this. I used to do all these things. I was so evil, so dark, so, so horrible. Because the moment God has forgiven you, he doesn't look back. That's why you're to look upwards. Keep your face to Jesus Christ the one that appeared to Saul of Tarsus. Obey his voice. Have clean hands. Get rid of your sin. Jesus Christ is coming again. I feel eternity drawing near. I really do. I have this sense of how clear and bright that other world really is. I could feel it drawing near. I really can in my spirit. And be careful what you're listening to, the deception that's coming is not like anything any of us have ever experienced. All right, you guys, go with the Lord. I'll see you next week. Shalom.